0: Welcome to Rise Up In Business, the law podcast for small business owners. This podcast is designed to share important legal information without the stuffy legal jargon. I'm Tracy myler Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rise Up In Business podcast, and thank you for joining me for another episode. In last week's episode, I talked about growing your team and engaging either employees or contractors. Once you work out what's right for you and your business, I talk a lot in that episode about the importance of recording your agreement in writing. So whether you are engaging a contractor or an employee, the importance of having that arrangement properly documented and entering into a properly tailored document that will suit your business. In today's episode, I'm going to dive in and talk to you about what exactly it is that you need to have in your employee agreements to give yourself the absolute best chance to set yourself up for success with your employee and hopefully to avoid those awkward and tricky situations that, let's be honest, none of us want to have to face in business. So as you can imagine, over the years, I have seen several versions or multiple versions of employment agreements that clients come to me and present me with to try to either help them out of a tricky situation that they found themselves in or to do a document review, which I do for a lot of clients, just to give advice on whether or not their agreements are doing all the things that they need to. And more often than not, I find that the agreements are lacking in certain areas and really important detail, which is what's needed when We want to set ourselves up to avoid those really horrible situations. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to me for a while and you know my background, you know that I come from a litigation background. So the first 12 years of my career was spent in litigation and dispute resolution. So like I've said on here so many times, when it comes to what can go wrong in business, there is not much I haven't seen. In fact, I'd say there is nothing I haven't seen. The really unfortunate thing, though, about what I did see in all those years In my litigation practice is that most of what business owners were enduring could have been avoided. That's the truth. So it could have been avoided if business owners had have known what to do, if they had have had documentation, proper documentation in place, and if they had approached the situation differently. So it's with that hat that I approach this podcast and my business when I offer you insight and value to help you set yourself up and set your business up to avoid All those scenarios that I've seen before. And that's what I'm doing here today. So let's dive in. When you're preparing your employment agreements or when you're having a look at what you've got in place, you need to make sure that you're crystal clear on what exactly is the role. What's the role entitled? Now, That might sound obvious and you think, oh gosh, Tracy, duh, we all do that. No, you don't. This is missed a lot and that then leaves the business owner open to misaligned expectations from the employee. Crystallise what it is the role is called. What is your new employee doing? Is the role full-time, part-time or casual? You need to be clear on this and make sure it's outlined because the expectations that flow from that vary. Make sure you're crystal clear on the salary that you're paying. So whether it's an hourly rate or an annual salary, inclusive or exclusive of superannuation, Make sure that is set out so that everybody knows right from the outset precisely what the obligations are in relation to salary. Now, this is a big one, your location, or is this a remote role where your employee is working from home or somewhere else, or is it a hybrid arrangement? This is so topical right now because of the shift in working arrangements that's happened over the last couple of years with more and more people working from home, either by choice or by directive. Your employment agreements that might have worked a couple of years ago, I suspect, won't work for now if you have an arrangement with your team where some of them are working from home, sometimes or all the time. So, at law, employers have an obligation to provide a safe working environment for their employees. Well, that begs the question, how do you do that as an employer if you've got staff working remotely? Good question. The place to start, because this hasn't been litigated on yet. Oh, it will. Trust me, it will. There'll be years of litigation on this. Watch this space, it's coming. But because we haven't litigated on it yet, we need to do what we can to set ourselves up as business owners to protect ourselves with our team members who work remotely, and we do that in our employment agreement. So we should have a provision or a clause in our employment agreement that deals with what the expectations are, and you should have a working from home or a remote working policy which really ought to be attached as a schedule to your employment agreement. This is putting yourself in the best position you can as an employer to ensure that you have a good working relationship with your team who are working remotely, to ensure the expectations are outlined and that you have all of this documented in your employment agreement and to set out what the expectations are and what the responsibilities are of the employee who's working remotely. This will be very important in the event that a claim's ever made under your workers' compensation insurance because the insurer is going to want to know what steps did you take actively to ensure that you were providing a safe workplace for this employee even though they're working from home. So this one's really important and as I said earlier or as I said a moment ago, I suspect that if your employment agreements are more than a a couple of years old, you probably don't have adequate provision to cover these remote working arrangements. If an award applies to the role, please include reference to that. It needs to be clear what award you're referring to or what award you're employing somebody under. And then we get into leave. Leave. So the National Employment Standards set out leave entitlements for employees. Sometimes it's varied depending on the award, which is why we need to be crystal clear on what award applies, if any, and we need to set out in the employment agreement what the leave entitlements are for your team member, whether they accrue on a pro rata basis, for example, if they're a part-time employee, and what other arrangements are in place or what other requirements are necessary to give effect to the employee taking leave. So, for example... You might have a requirement that a number of weeks' notice in advance is given to you when requests are made for leave. You may not accept... Personal leave being taken on a Monday or a Friday without a medical certificate, things like that that are unique to your business that need to be considered, these need to be included in the employment agreement. If confidentiality is important in your business, and let's be honest, most of the time it is, we need to set out what constitutes confidential information and what it is that the employee can't do with that. These days, more often than not, when I'm drafting employment agreements, I'm asked to include technology and social media clauses in the agreements because employers want to make sure that in doing so, the employee is not bringing the business into disrepute and that the employee is not holding out his or her opinions to be those of the employer. It's really important, depending on the nature of your business certain conduct may or may not be problematic for you. If certain conduct is, then we need to set that out in the employment agreement so your employee knows what their obligations are from the beginning. In relation to technology, these days we all have smartphones and laptops and iPads and all the things, and we can work from anywhere. Most of us can. If we're doing that as employees, you need to make sure that the data that's being accessed on those devices is protected and remains secure. That needs to be addressed in your employment agreement again so the employee knows exactly what their obligations are to hopefully avoid any hiccups in this area arising in the future. If intellectual property is important for your business and relates in any way to the duties or responsibilities that the employee will be undertaking, then you need to set out in your employment agreement who will own the intellectual property that's created during the course of that employment arrangement. And chances are, as is most of the time, you will want that to be yours. And so you need to set out very clearly that any intellectual property the employee creates in his or her role belongs to you as the business. Termination is something that needs to be set out in the employment agreement. So if you wish to be able to terminate the employee immediately due to serious misconduct, then you need to set out in your employment agreement what actually is serious misconduct. Also, you need to set out for the employee the notice period that's required for termination. And if you're going to rely on the standard, national employment standards, then you'll set out on a sliding scale what those periods are. So, for example, if you've been employed for up to a year, up to two years, et cetera, and so on, you set out the time requirements there. And that can be really handy when either you or the employee are wanting to bring the relationship to an end because there's a very useful tool then to know precisely how much notice needs to be given. No misaligned expectations, no dispute whatsoever in relation to that. And that's a great segue into protecting your business post-employment. So if it's important to you that your former employee doesn't compete with your business within a certain radius for a certain time frame. That needs to be set out in your employment agreement. It should be thought about carefully. It's not something you just throw into an employment agreement for the sake of it, I might add. But if it's important to your business, then it needs to be clearly outlined. It needs to be fair and reasonable in order for it to be enforceable. If it's unreasonable, so if you're essentially preventing somebody from earning a living in your non-compete clause. Quite simply, it just won't be applicable or it won't be able to be upheld at law. So you need to think really carefully and ensure that anything you include is fair and reasonable. This also is where we'd like to include non-solicitation clauses if that's important to your business. Some people find a non-solicitation clause important for their business to say that after you've left my business, you can't poach basically, you can't approach or poach my staff or, or my clients. The other school of thought, of course, which a lot of my clients adopt is, no, I'm not going to worry about that because I'm going to focus on providing quality services to my clients. I'm going to treat my team members well, such that I'm confident because of the way I conduct my business, I won't have to worry about that. But ultimately, if someone leaves and a client wants to go with them, I wish them well. So there's two ways to think about it. Again, non-solicitation is not something that you just include for the sake of it. You do need to give some thought and make sure that it's going to work for your business and make sure it's consistent with your business values. Now, the last thing I want to say on this, and you might think that this is obvious, but you'd be surprised how many contracts I've looked at or how many employment agreements I've looked at that have this missing, is you need to set out in as much detail as you can a list of duties or roles and responsibilities For the employee, most of the time this is done in the schedule at the back of the employment agreement. Certainly that's my recommendation and how I like to draft them. But in the schedule, you need to set out as best you can a list of roles and responsibilities for your particular employee for a couple of reasons. One, the employee needs to know what it is that they're signing up for, what are they getting themselves into and what's expected of them. And two, it's a very useful tool then when you are – having your regular performance reviews or when you're addressing issues with performance with an employee, you have the document there in front of you to refer to when you're having conversations around what the employee may or may not be doing well and what areas you need to focus your training and attention on. So, as I say, you would probably listening to this and thinking, duh, Tracy, of course that goes in. And if that's the case, then I'm glad. But it shouldn't be taken for granted, and it really is one of those ones that's easy to overlook. So, that's what I have to say about what really needs to be included in your employment agreements. There will be other clauses, of course, other legal clauses always, but they are the most important clauses that you should be looking for in your employment agreements. If you have employment agreements in place with your team, you can now go and have a quick review of them and run through and make sure that. Everything I've just touched on is included. If it's not, I suggest that it might be time for a review of your employment agreements to have fresh ones drafted where your team members can enter into those. So a question I'm asked a lot is, now that I have my employment agreement in place with my team, what do I need to do? Can I just forget about it? Please don't forget about it. So first of all, congratulations on having it in place. but Please don't forget about it. So I often suggest to people come back and have a review of these important legal documents annually. So once a year, have a look and make sure they're up to date and current. Things change in business. We all know that. That's the point. Of course, things are going to change as needs change and business grows and directions change. That's okay, but just make sure when you are reviewing your documents that they still work, that they're still doing the things they need to do because they are accurate and current. If they're not, you can most certainly have an updated or a new contract drafted and you present that to the employee. They then give you their input to make sure that it's all consistent with their understanding, it's consistent with everything that they're doing and they're happy with it, and then you sign it. And you can do that several times throughout that employer-employee relationship. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. I really hope that you have found some nuggets of gold in there, particularly around the working from home arrangements if you do find yourself in a position where some of your team are starting to work remotely. This and several other resources are available over on the resources page on the website. So the resources page on the website is a place where we like to share as much value as we can with you to give you clarity and guidance and direction on all the things that we say are super important for small business owners so if you haven't checked it out please do the links in the show notes but in case you're driving when you're listening to this you can find all of that gold and more at tmsolicitor.com.au forward slash resources thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the podcast and i'll catch you next time